Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome back in to Roosters. This is the Letterman Lounge. It's Letterman Live. It's a Monday in January, and there's still a ton of Ohio State football to talk about. We're going to do it, as we always do, in a fun, casual way, in a fun, casual joint. And the team is back together. It's been about a month. The it signs are going been. down. We don't need we don't need <laughs> that. We just need Justin Zwick, Nicole Cox, Bobby Carpenter, Jeremy Birmingham, and sometimes me, Austin Ward, to talk about the Buckeyes. It is twenty. You're always Austin Ward. I am, but sometimes you know I forget and I trip up. We're back together. Happy twenty twenty two to everybody. Uh, Nicole, it's great to have you back in here. It's been a while. How was the Rose Bowl? bowl trip giveaway for the Roosters prize winners. They, our winners were absolutely amazing. And I say that every year, but (laughs) they just, they walked around like this, the greatest thing that's ever happened to them. They were just so appreciative, so sweet. They obviously had the best game ever, you know, to watch. They were just, they were on cloud nine and they, I don't know. I think all uh, there were a few of them that had a rough 2021 year mm. and they just brought up like how this trip just meant the world and was really like exciting for them. So what all did they get to do outside of the game? So we right when we got there, we did a little meet and greet and we gave them all their swag bags, which they thought were the greatest. It had like roosters chapstick, just some like random things, a T-shirt. They were so sweet. Any and, chips in there? Um, yeah, no right. chips. Sorry. No <laughs> chips. Um, we had a roosters cookie in there, though. Okay. So that was good. Um, but they, uh, you know, and then they had the entire next day to do whatever they wanted. And then the day of the game is actually really early mm-hmm. 5:30 a.m. we have to be on the bus <sighs> yeah mhm 5:30 a.m. playing in the game man i know right oh. <laughs> to get to it's that there and damn get parade it's but <laughs> the travel agency gets these amazing burritos that are like from this like random yeah just oh, like a yeah, random it's so funny yeah, like yeah. cash only it's the, real deal. It's the best cash only oh it was so good in the world yeah it really? was so yes. good and it's so it's literally the only good thing about life <laughs> i was gonna say it's yeah. not, i mean it's starting to sound better to me so everyone <laughs> that burritos, really yeah, yeah. It really, because I kept telling everyone about them. I was like, wait, Chris, are you still going to have those? Because I've already told everyone. And so that brightened everyone's day. The Rose Bowl Parade was amazing. And it was awesome because um, when we went there in 2019 or 18, 18, it was the same, like, shoulder to shoulder. It just felt normal, which was great. So, um, and then the game itself was just absolutely amazing. Any yeah. bad traffic out there? I mean, do we have any issues? I know travel partners, they do a great oh, job. Oh, you left at 5.30. What time did you get wait, there? Let's talk about travel partners for a second. How, like, we literally thought, like, is this real life? Like, are these people? So, our bus driver's driving. There is a line of traffic getting off at one of the exits. And I'm talking, it probably went for a mile. Mm-hmm. We went right past it, got off at the other exit, and then just looped back around. We were, like, the only ones that thought of it. <laughs> travel partners. <laughs> the loop-de-loop. And... And Travel Partners was even like, hey, is, you think everybody's all right over there? The fact that they didn't think that you could just go one exit up and loop back. So it was awesome. So really no traffic for us. It was yep. great. Awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Game was pretty good, too. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what did you think? What, you didn't get to talk to you last week. Um, 
I mean, I think it showed a lot of heart for Ohio State. It was a situation where we talked for the entire month, like how would they come out if they got punched in the face? And they did. Mm-hmm. And uh, Coach, it wasn't just punch in the face. <laughs> the ref was almost there because it was a hammer fist. Yeah, I mean, and like the head was, was like bouncing off, off the turf. Well, they were at an eight count, and then all of a sudden, CJ Stroud decided, and, and Justin talked about it last week. Like he took off and picked up a first down they needed, and you can mm-hmm. just see it. The entire offense like they can't stop us if we don't stop ourselves. But we've got to get some stops. That's the key when you're right. behind, though, Berm. And I think that the interesting thing had to have been, you know, all year long we've seen Ohio State defensively kind of fail to make adjustments in the second half. Um, they've done things poorly, and then they've just kept doing them poorly. Something happened at, at halftime, and led by guys like Eichenberg, who I think they just really got tired of being embarrassed. And uh, I think it really sets things up for the future. I, I, it's, it should be one of those games where people watch the first half and go, wow, I cannot believe they're doing this again. And then <laughs> the second half go, wow, I hope they do that again. So, I yeah. would love to be in that locker room for halftime because there's some, I just am dying to know what is said because they come out with a whole new mentality. And I have to bring up something that I felt was very important too to recognize during that game. You know, when you're younger and you like, maybe you're like going to a new school or something and you go in and everybody knows each other, but you don't know anyone and you're kind of like, okay, that's what it felt like being an Ohio State fan because (laughs) (laughs) it like, it was majority. It was, was it 80%? It was, it was significant. And the Utah people, that was to them like going to the Super Bowl. I mean, it was the most exciting thing that had ever happened. And you could feel that you when we would cheer when they would like say like our players you couldn't even hear us you know and then so i think that made all of us as ohio state fans kind of like okay this is weird this is different because we're used to the shoe so i think and then the second half we were really loud and you could hear us which was really great and i think that helped make a difference too i think it's intimidating when the energy is just utah I think a lot of the kids on the Ohio State team talked about it before, you know, throughout the season. They liked going on the road. They liked being yeah. sort of the bad guy. Um, and then, you know, you see C.J. Stroud take on that, that how do you create a villain thing that he said of two weeks before the Rose Bowl. And I'm just calling it villain mode. Yeah, I mean, whatever you want to call it, he he, he went into it. And, you know, I think as you look ahead, I mean, we well, I'm sure we're going to talk about what we can expect in 2022. But mm-hmm. uh, C.J. Stroud set himself up in a way that I don't – I mean – the expectations for C.J. Stroud in 2022 will be higher than they were for Justin Fields heading into 2020, and yeah. I think that's that's something I can't imagine I would have said. Yep. Um, Spencer said it. Ago. Spencer said it originally. It's, like, I'm just going to call that out. Did well, say that? Mm-hmm. It's big. It's scary. Well, Spencer did say he was better than Justin Fields. Yep. Yeah, well, he did. He's a better – Oh, he, I think he's a better – I'm giving you props, He's a Spencer. better – He has he a, a better he arm. He's a better thrower than Justin Remember Fields. Remember when he said that? <clears throat> he still has room to go to be no, a better quarterback. He's a better thrower. Not a, he doesn't have yeah. an arm strength, but he is a better He's a better athlete. thrower of the football than Justin Fields right now. He throws a pretty ball, man. It's very, it comes out of his hand really smooth. The one thing, like going in the game, you know, I talked to a lot of people across the country doing radio hits and everything, and they're like, what, what do you think? I'm like, well, if Ohio State can hold them to under 120 rushing, 110, 120, I'm like, they'll probably win that game by 17 points. If not, they can still win the game, but it's going to be one where you're going to be probably waiting until the final drive. Ultimately, that's kind of what happened was the latter of that. They got ended up playing much better in the second half, and like Nicole said, it, it was the thing that I took away from that second half is you had guys you know, like Tommy Eichenberg stepped up in a huge way, someone who had been kind of crapped on all season long where, oh, I played 80 plays against Tulsa, didn't have any tackles or whatever. Like, hey, dude, at 17, like, they were some run-through shots. Like he, And sometimes it just takes a little bit of playing of football to get better. Defensive line decided, you know what, we, we need to play a little bit better as well. 
you know, I think uh, um, court getting Court Williams in there, you know, and, and he he's not perfect, but he made some nice plays as well. There's some that he's leaving on the table. There were, you know, the GASF happening, and yes. I think that at that halftime, I think most of the time throughout the season, you expect that adjustment to come from the coaching staff, and I think that in the Rose Bowl, it was just the players who said yeah. enough, because a lot of these coaches probably at that point were like getting ready to check out of their hotels and check out of their offices, and <laughs> and I think a lot of a couple of them Ohio State they could have folded and and they chose not to, and I think it says a lot about what Ryan Day has tried <laughs> to implement with these guys and. Like I said, I think it really sets up a big 2022. Jay-Z? I'm trying to think about what I said about the game last week. Uh, two, just, two weeks out. I'm, I just think with a week, a week of it, did we are we assigning too much value to it? Not enough. I think I think it's important. I don't know if you can carry momentum from the game for the whole team. Like, hey, we won our last game. But individual players, like getting performances out there on film – I think that that gives you a confidence going into the offseason. I think the coaches look at it, you know, now they, they know, hey, when Jackson's our number one, this is what we can do with him. Hey, here's Marvin Harrison Jr. This is what he yeah. – and you can start to build things. Hey, Tommy Eikenberg, yeah, is he a perf- the perfect linebacker? No. There's a couple limitations he has, but, hey, he's really good at this stuff. We've watched him kind of separate and become this guy right now. Okay, Court Williams can do some of these different things right here. So just, like, understanding, I think, in totality what some of the guys can do, putting it on tape. Because until that point, any coach will tell you, like, going from practice to games, it's all projection. Like, you think you know what the guy can do. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there was a little bit of that. And then, you know, Justin, he can get into the, the mean tweets that were coming out during the game. Well, I mean, you talk about the individuals who maybe got better – or felt better about their last game, getting that experience throughout the season. I think it's just more of the, we talked a lot about getting punched in the mouth. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. As a team, they rallied together. I mean, you give up 10 points in the second half, but that's nothing compared to what it looked like in the first. So I, I think, you know, in, in games, yeah, in games where it started going that way, where it was 35, like we got punched in the mouth and we didn't fight back per se. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This was a game where that second half, we had to fight back. We had to do something or else we weren't going to win that game. And defense came up, and they showed up and got it done. So I think that's huge for a team together, even though a lot of those guys will be gone next year. Mm-hmm. Still going through that in a big game on a big stage, saying, hey, we can do this. So next year when they get punched in the mouth, they're going to say, That's why it's here. important, and to Bob's point. I don't think it's a pro – it's not like you can just carry over the momentum from one year to the next. But the the big thing heading into the Rose Bowl was you're losing your leaders, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're losing the guys, the Haskell Garretts, the Chris Olaves. You're losing the guys that you know you can count on, and you had to have other people step up. And those guys are going to be back next year. And, mm-hmm. and for C.J. Stroud, who's kind of a quiet leader, for Tommy Eichenberg, who doesn't like to talk at all. No. Mute. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he may – I don't even know if he has a voice. He, no, he, I've I, heard I, him I, speak, I, but only it's, to it's me. Really, then he went in a war and he's like, oh, that's cool. It's really guttural. <laughs> yeah, it's, like I don't know. He's you know, a caveman. These kids have <laughs> – they had to step up and, and they may do it in different ways than Haskell did or Olave mm-hmm. did or whatever, but – now you know you have those guys heading into the spring, and I think you know with ten new early, en- eleven new early enrollees arriving on campus on Sunday, like the expectation is now set, and, and you head into to what's next. Yeah, what's next? That's a great segue, Brim. Also, okay. tomorrow. Speaking of what next? Mm-hmm. It's cheesy bacon, cheesy, fries. cheesy bacon fries. fries. And that should In be the appetizer, of- guys, because that's usually the substitute if oh. we're out Ooh. of the product. So it should so be. Cheesy bacon so you're saying fries. it was promoted to a new role? In Columbus? Yeah, well, it's, you know, it has a dual role. Okay. Dual role. Kate Stover. So. Kate Stover. I just yes. thought maybe it was in honor of the new offensive line coach at Ohio State. <laughs> or Brian Hartline. Didn't Fry? Well, Did Brian Hartline getting that cheese? It, getting the cheese. Cheese for Brian Hartline and fries, fries. for the offensive line. Ah. Just some. Roosters thinks of Nicole, it all. you did it. You guys think of it all. I, was, I tell you what. 
I wish I could take credit for that, but (laughs) it's genius. That's uh, $2 appetizer Tuesday. Come get it. Uh, And then the rest of 2022, we're going to make some bold predictions. Normally that's a different show for Berm and I, but everyone loves it so much. We're just just going to expand it and anything and everything that you can think of that might happen this year, Nicole, what are you forecasting for Ohio State football? football, Not in the world because we can't predict that obviously. Like I said, I, as you guys know, I, I love watching this team grow because I feel like, I I don't know, it's just, we have a lot of younger players and so they just keep getting better and better. So I think it's going to be an exciting season. Um, I also really do believe that CJ Stroud will win the Heisman. Mm. I really do. Throwing it down. I love it. How many yards will we throw for Nicole? A thousand? Yeah. 10,000? A million? I have... I have no 45. Clue. That performance in the Rose Bowl was incredible. <clears throat> I got, just didn't throw anything off target the whole game, it felt like. Uh, yeah. Ever well, since he took his break, man, I'll tell you what. <laughs> whatever that week was, he got him right. Hey, he it, came yeah, out rest. a different quarterback. And, uh, he, I mean, he told you, Jay-Z, it was supernatural yeah. healing. Absolutely. Super- hey, hey, praise mental. the Lord. <laughs> hey, Super. it can be mental, I should have gotten to that. Oh, yeah. Oh, a no mental, doubt about it, Ken. I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't care what it was. I'm saying when he came back, he was a totally different quarterback, and he kept that going throughout the year, in my opinion. And so that last game, I mean, you talked about the balls. Either. You could look at every game and think to yourself, man, that's a ball. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, another one. You know, like all over the place all year long after that break. So, I mean, Ryan Day big things it. next year. Ryan Day said it at the time the next week that CJ had to ask himself how bad he wanted it, and I mm-hmm. think that – Whatever happened, I mean, that's mm-hmm. probably a 30 for 30 down the road oh, somewhere. But if Ohio State goes out and wins a national championship or something, like that's a story that people are going to want to really dive into. It's a moment in his career that is, is life-changing. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's talking about people are calling for him to be benched. He takes that break. Yeah, You're thinking, oh, backup could go in, throw for a few hundred yards against, who was it, Akron? Akron, yeah. You know, man, that could be tough. You might, you know, and then Evan comes back out and the guy's on fire ever since. I mean, it was was incredible. For him to be able to take that into next year, man, he's going to be scary. Hey, we need to, anytime you guys are around him, you need to ask him what someone said to him to make that change. Because I I just want to know. There had to have been something a coach said to him that just stuck in his head. Because I'd like to know that as a parent. Just what are these little things that can just stick? I've I've had at least five one-on-one conversations with C.J. Stroud since then, and he – he just keeps saying that it's not any one thing. It wasn't. It was the mean tweets he read. I mean, <laughs> oh. he did. Took a week off and just read all the mean did tweets. Did turn off his notifications <clears throat> on his phone. He told me this story, which was that he went into the locker room. Who, uses, at, who leaves them on? At, what are we yeah. doing? That's well, <laughs> why he's a freshman, Bobby. Bing, 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 bing. He went into the locker room screen. at Minnesota, game number one. They're, Ohio State's in trouble. He doesn't have a great half. It's his first start. And he wanted to text his mom. And he had oh, no. all of his social media notifications <laughs> on, so his phone is, like, blowing up. Like, you have to turn all of that off. You're mm-hmm. the Ohio State quarterback. <laughs> Especially so at halftime right of game. a game, yeah. And he does, First he, start. He does post some of the stuff. He has ads. He's got to make his money there, name, image, and likeness. Um, he posted about the villain stuff and the Heisman Trophy. But for the most part, he's turned that off. Good. And that, I think, I'm not going to assign value to any one thing. But that's pretty important because the, there's, there was so much negativity. And you go get a flip phone is what he needs. That once you turned off the outside noise, like inside the Woody, we said it throughout September. There was no doubt that he was the starting quarterback mm-hmm. for Ohio State. So I think he probably needed to focus more on the people who were actually giving that mattered. constructive criticism or advice mm-hmm. that you can take and ignoring the rest of the people. And I, I think more obviously getting the shoulder right was physically the thing. And I think turning off his phone was the mental thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's big. 
Uh, Stetson Bennett rocks the flip phone. Yeah, he does. So he I loved his I loved his explanation. Like yeah. I got so many other things I got to worry about right now. I can't be worried about that. Yeah. So my bold prediction will be since we saw Jackson Smith and Jigba go off. It's, Ohio State's had a, a plethora of first round first round receivers since 1995. Plethora. Plethora. A lot of guys are highly successful college, highly successful at the next level, but no one has won the Blitnikoff since Terry Glenn. Mm. If mm. I'm not mistaken, 27 years. Yep. 27 years. I think Jackson Smith and Jigga brings that thing home this year. Hmm. I mean, listen, a lot of it is momentum, and I don't know if anybody... I think he might have already won it, Bob. Like, everybody else is starting in a 40. <laughs> he got like 10 yards behind him and was allowed to have a sprint, the fly 40, and just running by them. Yeah, he's already standing at the five. Yeah. You got to catch him. Uh, that, that definitely helps, because that's just, unfortunately, how these award vo- yeah. votes work. Wasn't 1995 the last time Ohio State won the Doak Walker as well? Probably true. Eddie? Eddie Jordan, yeah. Heisman that year. Spencer said thumbs up. Uh, so, I mean, that's that's one of my predictions is that Travion Henderson will be the, the Doak Walker winner next year. Ooh, we're but I, on the individual. I, I think yeah. that huh. you're going to see three Ohio State offensive players be in the top five for the preseason Heisman uh, award watch list mm-hmm. with Stroud, Henderson, and, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what else? Uh, Ohio State is going to beat Michigan next year. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, That's a, a given. Well, it's not. <laughs> um, don't let's not go back in time here. <laughs> Is he going to be the coach? Uh, Ryan Day? No, Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh. I mean, Ryan Day will likely be the head coach of Ohio State. <laughs> don't say um, likely. Are they, are they both you leaving know, for the NFL? You know Tell us. You know how that's going to be uh, no. viewed. So. That's pretty much where I'm starting. I think that oh, oh, started, oh, we're going Schlage. Travion Henderson will be the 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 Doak Walker Award winner. I agree with you that Jackson Smith and Jigbo wins the Blitnikoff, and I think three <coughs> Ohio State Heisman finalists of, of the five guys next year. Three finalists. Yeah. If they let if they let five three of the top five finishers, let's just say that. Which yeah. they did, you know they had three of the top six in 2019. I think they'll have three of the top five this time. Hmm. That is bold. That would be tough to do because you only get three spots on a ballot. Yeah. Anyway. I don't even want to say mine. Oh, boy. It must be. Well, no, it's not even that good. I just, when he went with the Blitnikoff, I was going to just say that our leading receiver next year, I was going to go touchdowns, was going to be Marvin Harrison. Mm. I think you might have another another instance like this year where you had three guys. Who do we put up for the award? I think next year you're going to have the same thing. I think Marvin Harrison is going to be a guy that leads the team in touchdowns. I want to say yards because Jackson does do a good job in the middle and he, he breaks a lot. But... Uh, Jackson may have 20 catches a game next year. <laughs> you can see something just might. completely ludicrous. If, we'll they, see. if they continue this. You're, I mean, you're going to have the same problem next year that you had this year, in my opinion. Yes, Olave and Wilson maybe are better than what these guys are going to be next year, but they still have all the talent in the world. So you're still going to have three receivers that you're trying to get the ball to with Trey in the backfield. I mean, it's going to be the same problems. I don't know that he will have 20 catches a game. The most interesting thing that they did in the Rose Bowl was put Jackson in the backfield and – I, I don't know why they saved it up till that point. Uh, yeah. Doesn't really matter now, but my God, is that oh, he's dangerous? Like, no what doubt are you about it. Do? You can't put a cornerback in the box; they're going to run it down your throat. And Jackson can run any route. And you saw yeah. that sort of like you know angle route, for third down conversion. Yeah. Get him on a linebacker, and with C.J. Stroud's accuracy, that's game over. One hundred percent. But you get Buka in there. He's a little. I mean, he could be a guy out of the backfield. He's a little smaller. Yep. You know that sort of thing. I think they will have. To move things around, it's going to be a hard deal again. I mean, the Rose Bowl, you had one guy who had all the experience. You were throwing these young freshmen out there. 
But I think once they those guys get their feet wet, which they did, it's going to be dangerous next year again. I think Ohio State is going to <clears> finish <throat> in the top ten nationally in total Don't defense. Say it. Defense? I, no. defense, defense. Ooh. I th- I believe that if Ohio State had made no changes whatsoever, we know that the scheme had gotten a little stagnant and, and stale. We saw that the improvement not to the level that they wanted. It came undone against Michigan, but the. 2021 season was marked by the inexperience of that group. I think significant improvement was going to come naturally. Now, you can take it to another level if you make other changes, and, and I think it was clear that those were overdue. But when you're when Bob's talking about Tommy Eichenberg, you could see that it, just the confidence growing from September uh, to New Year's Day. You add that out, Steel Chambers with another year. What Cade Stover was bringing now that maybe he's at home at linebacker, he is at home. At well, at, mm-hmm. is at home. You have Cameron Brown back, Denzel Burke at corner. Josh Proctor back. Josh Proctor coming off of the leg injury. We'll see how long it takes Lathan Ransom. But I could go down the list. Ronnie Hickman was a first-time starter as well, leads <laughs> Ohio State in tackles. So think how much better uh, he could be. There were still times where he looked inexperienced even late in the year. So all those guys, when they get it rolling, Tyleek Williams up front, Jack Sawyer, JT Tuomola. I mean, there's so much talent. And now that you're through some of those, just being on the field, there will be probably, Bob, an adjustment in spring to learning the scheme and getting comfortable and confident with what you're supposed to be running there. But so much of this, like, you just have to understand the way to play football, right? And, yeah. And, and they'll have that. We're not building the- rockets. We're just playing football out there, Austin. <laughs> Blocking and tackling. Yeah. Let's not overcomplicate the situation. Okay. Well, that's- sometimes a guy grabs your foot, you rip his helmet off and throw it. <laughs> he doesn't let go. Sometimes you have to. I respect that. Mm-hmm. That's bold prediction. Cam Brown, another helmet throw this year. <laughs> bold prediction. Cam Brown is involved in a fight. In we have somebody yeah. who watches the show. They shank somebody on the field. Cam next Brown year. is involved in a fight <laughs> in late November in Ohio Stadium against hey, the team. Hey, uh, 2022. My bold prediction. Helmet. There'll be a hell of a lot more Cam Brown discussion. I respect. Yeah. Hey, I, I respected that. that. In that game, like I always say, you need to do this one. To fight. Mm-hmm. Hey, you tear somebody's helmet off like that because that's going on. You've got to. You have to have that little edge. Cam has it. It'll be. It's important for him to be back. That was huge. All right, Nicole, what else is going on at Roosters now that the bowl giveaway is done? Well, it's January. Yeah. And bowl giveaway 2022. Yeah, I think we're just getting <laughs> Start, ready. Can't register 52 yet. weeks. What's the website? I, <laughs> I think we're just getting ready for March Madness, Ooh. you know, um, and just kind of watching Buckeye basketball, which has been exciting. And then Now that they're playing. Yeah, now that they're yeah. back. Mm-hmm. Well, that team is a heart attack. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> Every game. <laughs> Every stupid game. <laughs> EJ has been going off though, hasn't he? They shot like seventy percent from the floor last yeah. night. Still tried to find a way to lose. All right, mm-hmm. that's <laughs> that's enough of that. Um, that's enough basketball. And then cheesy bacon fries tomorrow. Mm, bacon appetizer. Fries. Yes. All right, they're they're in stock. They're in honor of Brian Hartline and Justin Fry. Nicole planned it that way. <laughs> she is the ultimate it. insider. We're going to take a break on Letterman Live. It is brought to you by Roosters. It's a fun casual joint. We'll be right back. Everybody knows that Roosters is a fun casual joint. But the truth is, it is so much more. It's a quick stop on the way home to sit back and unwind. It's a front row seat to the big game. It's a place where you will always find a friendly face. And the home of wings so big you won't believe it. It's your family's other dinner table. So yeah, we're a lot of things to a lot of people. Roosters, a fun, casual joint. Precision Engineering. Rigorous attention to detail. A Bryant Evolution heating system is so well designed, it's as much of a joy to install as it is to use. 
Good to go. For the dealer nearest you, visit Bryant.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Letterman Live. It's brought to you by Roosters. It's a fun, casual joint. We're talking about Ohio State. The offseason is well underway. A busy week on that front. Ohio State, I think maybe people thought this was a, a year or two or three too late, but Greg Studrawa was fired on Thursday. Ohio State has replaced him with Justin Fry, another uh, guy that Ryan Day is very familiar with, has worked with in the past. Really, he'd been someone as, as soon as Ohio State was ready to make a move on the offensive line, Justin Fry was the guy. Uh, that Ryan Day wanted to hire. They got him, uh, and they also secured Brian Hartline. He'll be the passing game coordinator. He's got a raise that's coming along with that, so you made some moves there. Uh, there's The process on the defensive side is ongoing. There's some interviews and, and behind-the-scenes stuff going on there. Ohio State added uh, Tanner McAllister, the safety from Oklahoma State, familiar with Jim Knowles. Familiarity is a big order of the day here as Ohio State makes some of these moves. Um, you got to have that everybody-on-the-same-page factor going on, but what else? Uh, what do we make of the move so far for Ohio State in the offseason? What What else needs to happen here? I mean, we were so, sort of surprised in 2019 when Greg Sudraro was retained by Ryan Day to begin with. I think that was sort of expected then that Justin Fry was going to be the guy that Ryan Day was going to pursue as the offensive line coach. That transition from Urban Meyer today happened at such an awkward time of the year that it didn't really give Ryan an opportunity to look out there. And plus. Greg Studrara had done a very good job developing offensive linemen, multiple uh, Remington Award winners. They'd done a nice job. But over the last couple of years, it's just, it's just been a little bit slower than it should be as far as the recruiting stuff goes. Way too much help needed um, for Stud on the recruiting trail. And after three years, you know, sometimes you have to make some adjustments. And I, I think that it's one of these moments where Ryan Day has tried to over the last couple of years, make people understand that this is his program and he's going to put the moves in place that he thinks have to happen. And it's not always going to be popular. I mean, I was on the field at the Alamo Dome when the announcement of Greg Sudwara being let go happened on Thursday um, with George Fitzpatrick, the one of the 2022 signees, and then Carson Hinsman, the 2022 commitment, who had committed to Ohio State two days earlier, uh, and they had no idea. And, uh, you know, it's, it's an awkward conversation. For me, as I'm trying to, talk to <laughs> as I'm trying to talk to these kids uh, after practice, and they're like, "Oh, by the way, did you hear this?" And then all of a sudden, it becomes a much different thing. Yeah. But I, I think ultimately, that's what it comes down to. Ryan Day has to run Ryan Day's program, and this is just one of those things that had to happen. So you know, when, like, as you talk about that, it's a first-time head coach. He hadn't coached in college in a while. He comes in, he's coordinator, inter, you know, it takes over the interim role. Urban comes back, and so he was handed off. You know, a great program with great structure. And I think it's tough early on. Like, you're giving this – he's a young guy. And it's not like he has this vast network of coaches in college, guys who he's worked with yeah. or at other places. And so you're given something that's pretty good. And so the risk is early on, like, we'll do – there's things I think can be better, but how sure am I? Mm-hmm. So, okay, slow like, play. let's slow play this. It's not bad. Like, it's not a bad situation. Mm-hmm. It's not untenable. Like, 
let's proceed forward and we'll see how things kind of break and how things move around. And I think that's where we're at, where Ryan's beginning to want to put his own signature, his own stamp on the program. There's things here that, you know, especially from an off-the-field standpoint, you know, with you're talking about Mickey Marotti, Mark Pantoni, Brian Voltolini, like the whole, you know, Adam Stewart, all these guys in the medical and player procurement and weightlifting, strength field, like they're fantastic. Yeah. It's like, boom, we're going to leave that. We're going to leave don't those bones. Don't Yeah, don't mess with that. Because those guys are the real hard guys to find. Because no one's yeah, like, we, hey, He's trying to keep those guys yeah. at Ohio State instead of them going off somewhere Where do I go right? find, like, an elite physical therapist that can rehab the 47,000 Achilles that happened and get these guys <laughs> back in, like, yeah. four or five months? Like, Sean Barnhouse, the trainer, does a great job. Like, they have a great support staff. You know, strength coaches, they're not easy to find. Recruiting coordinators, really hard to find guys that do a great job. So... You know, I think that's perfect. And then on the offensive side, it's like, okay, I've got some guys in here that I like. You know, it's, I, I guarantee you, like, he's probably feels very fortunate to continue to have Kevin Wilson on the staff, a guy who's mm-hmm. been a head coach, who's been experienced, who's dealt with, like, you know, player personnel issues, <clears throat> things when you're taking heat from the outside, like some of this coaching stuff. Like, you have to have things you can ping off of someone and back and forth that have, that have been through it and understand it. And by the way, he's a great offensive mind as well. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, having that and then building out your staff, making some changes here and there. And, you know, so it was a matter of time, you know, as these things slowly happen. And this year it felt like, okay, when you don't fulfill the expectations, because I don't want to call this season a failure, because I thought there was a lot of good things that happened. We don't fulfill the expectation of winning a Big Ten, beating Michigan, making the playoff. Okay, well, what has to change? And so that's where some of these things are beginning to kind of turn right now. And, you know, Ryan's kind of putting his own stamp and his own hands on the program a little more. I don't even know if it has as much to do with kind of having that feeling sometimes in the season, like, man, something needs to happen. As opposed to just Ryan saying, all right, I took this thing over. I didn't want to, you know, ruffle all the feathers or we didn't need to make a ton of changes when I first came in. I'm feeling a little more comfortable now. I know what I want on my coaching staff, and I I feel better going to someone who's older than me who's been coaching longer than me saying, you're fired. You know, I'm going in my own direction. The old Don. (laughs) You know, you're fired. fired. Because yeah. it's not about on-the-field stuff. Ohio State is yes. the number one-ranked offense in the country, the number one-ranked rushing yeah. offense in the country, more yards per carry than anyone in the country. There's all these things you look at and go, okay, well, there's a lot of reasons why Greg Stadrara mm-hmm. should be safe in this position. But but it's his baby, and he wants to have on his staff who he wants. You risk things going stagnant a little bit. Mm-hmm. And in the last couple months, you know, you, you have a, guys that have dealt with some health issues on the staff. I mean, Greg is one of them who had the back issues that mm-hmm. kind of put him out of – he missed a week earlier this year. And, and not did, saying yep. that's a, being held against him by any measure, but you can see perhaps that as guys get older in this business, focus sort of shifts a little bit. And, and I think that Ryan Day is in a position where if he doesn't beat Michigan next year, Ryan Day may very well lose his job. <laughs> and and that sounds crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was. I'll just put it this way: somebody involved in this decision-making process said. I'm not going to have six years to get this thing right and beat Michigan like the other coach mm. may have had. The, the situation is far more urgent, and the standards here are different. Like They just are. If that other coach thinks it's good enough to win one time. It's only the beginning. And get to the big, and win the Big Ten <clears throat> mm-hmm. and then call yeah, it and yeah. say, I'm good, that would never fly here. Nope. That's not – you've accomplished everything. Great job, Ryan Day. You got to the college football playoff twice and won the Big Ten twice. That's not it, and he yeah. he knows. No, at Ohio State, you have a ten and two or whatever whatever the record was, and, and you're Bob, firing coaches, and you're bringing new guys in because you're trying to find what it is that made you lose those couple games. And that's what Bob was saying. We're talking about a team that went eleven and two, and won the Rose Bowl, and all all the conversation is that they didn't win the Big mm-hmm. Ten, that they didn't win the national championship, they didn't get to the playoff. The the standard 
is so much different here. And he understands that. There was no way that he could stand Pat. And I said in the first part of the show, Ohio State was going to get better next year no matter what because there was so much youth on this team. That includes C.J. Stroud mm-hmm. as a first-year starter. All that stuff's going to get better, but you know, he's, he's viewing it in a different lens. It's not just well, what can you do to beat Michigan because they're so much more talented than Michigan. I'm pretty confident I'll say it right now that that's going to happen, mm-hmm. and I think he wants to beat him badly, beat Jim Harbaugh oh, badly, yeah. which maybe that is – why Harbaugh seems to be involved in three other jobs, I don't know. But um, you know, the, the point is they, they are looking at this and not just saying that the status quo is going to be fine and that next year they'll bounce back. They, they're trying to get it back to a higher level and accomplish something that Ryan Day hasn't done yet. And I think there's also a component to this where Ryan Day understands his role has to change as the head coach. He's young as a head coach. He's had his hands in everything. He's been very, very involved with the offense. He's been the quarterback's coach. He's been the offense coordinator. He's been the play caller. Bringing in a guy like Justin Fry, who's been a co-offensive coordinator or an offense coordinator out at UCLA, he can work with Kevin Wilson now. Let those guys kind of run the offense. There is a desire uh, for Ryan Day to become more of a CEO type of coach. As he's so good at calling those plays. And that's something that yeah. he's going to have to struggle with. I, I wonder uh, if he'll be able to do it. Honestly. I mean, I, I – You put Hartline in there, maybe he feels like well, they're like, on the same Hart, wavelength kind of. Hartline gets promotion to the passing game coordinator. So you go with those two other guys you were just talking These about. These are more things that Ryan Day is trying to take mm-hmm. out of his own hands, and I think that he understands for his long-term success, if you watch what Nick Saban does, if you watch what Urban Meyer did before, like that's – you have to back out a little bit. The, being the head coach at Ohio State is not about being involved with every single part of of the game plan, every single off, every single quarterback meeting. <clears throat> he he has to trust his guys, and I think that's why it's so important with the Justin Fry hire is that it's his guy. This is a guy he worked with at Temple. It's a guy he worked with at Boston College. It's a guy who's been mentored by Chip Kelly, who mentored him. There's no doubt that he trusts him to do the things he has to do. Plus. Then you add in some of that youthful exuberance on the recruiting trail Mm. where you can, again, avoid risking that stagnation that I think maybe if you're on the inside over here, you kind of feel that a touch, and there's going to be more changes. When recruiting's changed so much, you get some younger guys in there that maybe have grown up with it a little bit more maybe in their coaching uh, career. So I think it just freshens everything up, and I don't think you miss a beat. Some fresh fry. Um, (laughs) Bob, what's the balance of that, though? Because if you look at the end of Urban Meyer's tenure, the, the question was, well, does he hire too many people that he knows? You know, Bill Davis and Greg Schiano and Tavor Johnson and on down. The, like, those weren't creative hires, and they weren't pushing the envelope. And I, I think that the Justin Fry hire is an upgrade for Ohio State and a great move for them moving forward. And I, I'm not arguing that point. Just a, It's a devil's advocate question with how much – how much of that do you need on your staff that's like, they're just going to do things my way versus I want to be challenged, which maybe Jim Knowles is that part for Friday. I don't know. Actually, I forgot Tavor was even here that yeah, last year a, after Kerry left. It was a decorated table. And then I remember some of the things I heard Urban yell at him during practice. Now, he said now that. Take that. I was trying to remember like, all of a sudden, yeah, I remember that. It's not appropriate to repeat. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I saw him on the sideline last night in the Raiders game, and that sparked my no, really? hiring is guys that where he you is? know. Hiring guys you know is different than hiring guys you know that no one else will hire. <laughs> there is, there's truth to that. Okay. There is truth. All right. Like it wasn't like Fry needed a job. He was the was he the co-offensive coordinator? coordinator? Yeah, co-op. at UCLA. Like UCLA was. Turn, I feel like they're turning the corner a little bit there with Chip Kelly. They're doing some good stuff. Um, and you want to hire people that are familiar with you and understand what your expectations are. I think that that's a big mm-hmm. piece of it. Uh, you don't want to hire people that are just going to nod their head and tell you yes. If like You need some creative 
conflict to be happening there. There needs to be a little bit of friction where people are pushing back like, hey, you know, just because you think we should do this, I'm telling you, I think we, we have this idea. Let's, let's figure this out. Let's try them both, and we'll see kind of what happens as opposed to, like, oh, yeah, Coach, greatest idea ever. Yeah, let's check oh, that you're out. The ah, you're the best. I mean, you. Yeah. And you, you get that where you can't have group thing happening and everybody just acknowledging that. And on the defensive side of the ball, and I think there's a little bit of, of that as well where it's a combination of having guys who know each other, who are smart, intelligent guys, who are able to push on each other enough to where you're building a game plan of like, hey, I've done this before, you've done that. You know, what's the best way to kind of handle whatever it is we're trying to attack, these different offenses. You know, but also the guys knowing each other well enough that they're comfortable and they're confident. And no one's overly defensive of their room. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what happens sometimes in football where you're like, well, we're doing this. Like, we're well, hanging my guys out to dry. We're doing this. And you understand, like, hey, this is part of the game plan this week. It's going to be tough. We're putting the onus on your group to get it done. This is going to be tough. And whether, you know, you're like, take offensive lineman. We're getting five out this week. We're not getting a chip. We're not going to hang. Like, okay, well, there's weeks where we do that when we're playing, you know, off of defensive linemen that are elite or whatever. But we're going to have to do some of this. You see linebackers in secondary getting into it all the time. Like, well, hey, who's – you're going to have to go man-to-man tight end. You're getting help here. You're doing this. Like, and understanding, like, you know what? We're going to try to do a little bit of everything and don't always be overprotective of my guys. There's mm-hmm. things that you've seen that you've worked that, that can kind of permeate different rooms, and we can kind of bring these things together collectively. So having the right type of guys that are confident enough together that are willing to be collaborative and work together, but yet also – you know, push back. Like you have to have people that are comfortable and Ryan mm-hmm. is in charge with creating that environment, number one, by the type of guys he brings in and then by the leadership that he's going to display. And so when you bring guys in from all across the coast that maybe don't know each other, you gotta make sure that they, they get to know each other and get to know each other well so you're not dealing with things in training camp that should have been worked out in February and March. That's a great. He's point. been so big on cohesion and the coaching cohesion over the last few years. That's why he promoted <laughs> Matt Barnes. That's why he promoted Parker Fleming. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is obviously benefits to that because you know who the guys are, you know who's capable of what. But I do think at times you get a little bit uh, tribal in your in your position groups, and you, the linebackers are fighting against the defensive backs and saying, "Oh, why why are you putting this on us? Why are, mm-hmm. you know our room isn't responsible for this? Our room, you know." But at some point, none of that matters, and you just have to find a way to make the entire defense come together. And I, you know, the hardest thing about sports, in my mind, is trying to mesh egos because high-level athletes, high, highly successful coaches, everyone got there doing it the way that they thought was best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have to try to combine a lot of those egos into one, like, you know. With your egos combined. <laughs> right. We have to go Voltron, right? Yeah. got to go Voltron in Ohio State. It's we, this, not me. At this point, Ohio State, uh, I don't think, went Voltron this year. Mm. And I think uh, that showed on the defense. You looked like a bunch of little cats. Kind of more like Captain America's Civil War. That's more right. like yeah. that. A little <laughs> fractured. A little fractured at times. House divided. Uh, who's going to win the national championship? The SEC. Yes, <laughs> yes, nicely played. I honestly <laughs> like. And it's funny because we 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 sit here and we're talking about this right now, and you have two schools of thought. I mean, Clemson's just promoting anybody within. You know, at one point, at some <laughs> point in time, people on a hey, they're, boy, they're, they're offensive coordinator. Hey, you play for us, come coach. Yeah. Imagine, imagine covering the Clemson off season compared to this one for Ohio State. That's a real clown show that Dabo's running right now. It is, Clowns but but ultimately they finished ten and three. Like, and we can laugh about oh, that. Yeah. Believe me, their, Bad year for their conference was not great, and you know, but they did end up going ten and three. You know, and they ended up getting looking a little more competent. Now, problem is like their their solution right now at quarterback is not looking like mm-hmm. a great solution for anybody. 
And so they're going to have to make some hard choices in what they do in the spring. But you, you have that, and then you juxtapose that with Nick Saban, who Nick promotes a lot of guys inside, you know, and does some things. And you see guys work their way through ranks, like Kirby Smart started with him, worked his way up. Mel Tucker came back, worked his way, and went to Georgia. But then they also just bring in guys from the outside as well. <clears throat> you know, and He's so, the king of bringing in old head coaches. Yeah. It didn't work out. Hey, come down here and work for a few years, because and you'll be a head coach. I think Nick understands the value of mm-hmm. guys who have been in leadership roles, who have had to go – when you've had to go to the podium after a game yeah. and answer questions about the calls you've made, yeah. like good and bad, like why'd you do this? Why'd you do that? Hey, they rushed for 800 yards on you today. <laughs> yeah. What happened? So when you're like a defensive coordinator or an offensive like, hey, you give up seven sacks. You uh, singled this guy and he had five and you never once double teamed him. Did we think about that coach at all during yeah. the game? And so when you had to do that, I think that there, there's a sensitivity around like, okay, I know what he's going through. This is the way I've done it. This is the way Nick does it. We can integrate some things. Those guys are often, a lot of times, more inclined to push back because they've been head coaches. And so you get some of that natural friction as well. And Doug Marone and Bill O'Brien running their office. That's what I'm saying. And, and it's not even just that Nick Saban understands. Those. And Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian right. before he, that. He understands, <laughs> he understands their value, but those guys understand his value mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. And that's ultimately where Ryan Day is trying to get. And to get to the point where coaches around the country say, I'm going to come in and do it his way because I know his way works. Mm-hmm. His, his way of doing it, but I can have my ideas right. and we can integrate my ideas mm-hmm. within how he operates. So if you go and watch you know, the, time, uh, the Bama-Cincinnati game, Cincinnati, it was a very Bill Belichickian, who Bill O'Brien uh, coached, obviously, for Bill Belichick. Very Belichickian thing, like, okay, you have really good corners. They've got a pretty good defensive line. they got some pretty nice pressure with Maje Harris and st- stuff off the edge. So we're just going to run the ball a lot. And it's not going to look pretty, and we're not going to throw at Kobe Bryant and Sauce Gardner. We're going to attack the inside where they're a little bit weaker, and that's how we're going to operate. And so, like, taking that, that methodology, oh, and we're going to spread them out and exhaust their massive D-line. And so, like, that, that's like a Bill O'Brien thing. We're like, okay. And then Saban, and this is the one thing he looks at this holistically. It's like, hey, how can I blend this into what we're trying to do defensively to make sure our whole game plan mm-hmm. fits? Like, we want to make sure that we're pushing this back and get a lead and try to, you know, put the pressure on their quarterback. How do we do that? How do we tie their defensive line? How do we play? Like, all these things together. Yep. With that being said, that's why I think Alabama's going to win. The game, yeah, yeah there, there's two things for me <clears throat> that I almost always look at as – as you look at t- two teams playing the game like this, who has the better coach, who has a better head coach, and who has a better quarterback? Yeah, check, check. Uh, and so I think Alabama has both of those things. I, I Obviously, this will be the fifth time since like 1960 that two teams who are both in the top five have played twice. So both times they played, they were in the top five. And all four other times, the team that lost the first game won the second. I don't think that's going to happen tonight. <clears throat> I think Bama wins. And I, I, Stetson Bennett is a, saying their deal. Stetson, well, Stetson Bennett's I, a fine quarterback. I, I'm not. I'm not an anti Stetson Bennett guy. I think that eventually, an anti-Stetite? at some point, <laughs> at some point, the uh, the decision the to not play JT Daniels this year is going to bite Georgia uh, in the backside. And I think it's tonight because you need to have that guy that can really be a game changer, not a game manager against someone. Yeah, he ma- he did more than manage that Michigan game, though. In my opinion, he? I mean, yeah, he, he threw some nice balls. Uh, the, you know, the thing, the you thing gotta was, put them on put them on the numbers. They that. The only time that he's ever really been pushed against it, where they've been down, yeah, is against <clears throat> Bama. Yeah, yeah, no, no, like, no doubt about it. Coach, you and I, well, I'll go out there and throw when we're up fourteen, and I know if I hand it <laughs> off, we can get eight yards on second down. It does make it easier, no <laughs> doubt about it. Now, Georgia, just, Georgia does have George Pickens back. Today, he is back. Which, so That's they big. Have yeah. in the first game. That's a. We did play in the first game, just but dumb. Just, he, he just ca- got back. He had the one catch for like thirty-seven yards. They need like. 
two or three of those. And Alabama doesn't have John Mechie, who they did have yes. in the first game. So there's, you know, I think you're going to see a really. I don't think this is like nine to six LSU Alabama 2011. I think you're going to see. A, a, I don't think it's a blowout like the first game. They no, I think you're going to see like a 42-39 final. Something. I think it's going to be a really great game. I I just tend to err on the side of Bama in these cases because, well, they all. No, it's Nick Saban, and he's never lost. Never, he's to an assistant. Lost. He's never uh, lost to an assistant, right? Jim, he, Jimbo got him this year. The oh, first. that's right. That was the first one. Yeah. First, first, uh, first and only time well, still. Fair. It took like 24 It took a long time. He, so, he's put a lot of guys from his staff someone, as head coaches. Someone proposed this to me. I think it was on Saturday. I do a show with Chris Plank. He's like uh, works for uh, Oklahoma and does like their radio stuff and TV. And he – talking to him about everything that's been going on has been fascinating with Caleb Williams and all yeah, that. Oh, gosh, yeah. But he's like, I have a theory – it's like Jimbo was 0-4 before he beat Nick Saban. Kirby Smart is 0-4. Is he? He's like, those are the two coaches that have played him the most. Maybe it takes you. The problem is usually you're fired before you get you the play. You don't get that fifth shot. <laughs> he's like, well, well, maybe it's the fifth shot I, that gets it done. I think it's hard for team two good teams to – I mean, that's tough to turn around a few weeks later and beat it is. Know, and beat them again. So that's the only reason I think Georgia might have a chance, but it's it's hard to go against Nick yeah. Saban and what, what he's been – I think it's going to be back and forth. I think it's going to be a great game. And, again, I the, the addition of Pickens and the loss yeah. of Mechie does sort of uh, – Even things out a little bit. Neutralize things a touch, um, but ultimately – We've got J-Mo. Uh, ultimately, I'm going to go with uh, yeah. Bama. Part of it – like I just – I look at some of the things – Bama, like you said, there's the receiver swing, plus one, minus one. I look at what Bama did in that first game, and I don't see Georgia really having a solution mm-hmm. for what Bama was able to do. Well, especially because their running game now feels a lot more confident yeah. after, after the, the playoff against Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Brian uh, Robinson. Robinson, his game is starting to peak at the right time. And this is this is the playoff, man. You're going to go out there, there's going to be a couple, a couple sledgehammers just thrown at each other, and I, I think it's going to be a great game. Oh. That's all I know. That's, they, that's my bold prediction. They rushed, I think, Bama for like 115 yards in the first game. Robinson only had 55. The guy who hurt him, and I don't think they have an Bryce answer Young. for this, is Bryce Young. He had three three mm-hmm. for 40. Yeah, it, like, that dude's fast. When he pulls it yeah, down, like yeah. it's trouble. And that's as a defensive coordinator. It may, yeah, and it he only like does it. Use that as their game plan no. all year. And I wouldn't be surprised if tonight you see a lot more of him. 100%. Mm-hmm. It's the last game of the year. You don't, you're not saving this guy for anything. There's also two other helpful gambling tips, and that's never back Georgia in a big game. <laughs> and don't bet against Noted. Nick Saban. Don't bet against <laughs> Nick Saban. I tell people, like, really? Like, look at him. He wins all these games. Maybe Georgia wins tonight, and I'll be, I'll be happy for Kirby Smart. But it's a fool's errand. I don't want to be the – this is one of my friends told me. Settlers get fat, pioneers get slaughtered. I don't want to be on the front line of trying to bet against Nick Saban anymore. I'm done with it. I'd rather I'll lose this game and then I'll start figuring yeah, and then it out. You, and then you see what happens. But Georgia is going to win tonight. So uh-huh. hey, all right, that is hundred and nothing. <laughs> it won't Austin, be Austin Pioneer War. But Bryce, there was, Georgia's going to get more pressure on the quarterback than they did in the first game. There was just something about the way they came out that was flat. In that first one, it was like they they were up ten to nothing. Hey, the way they played, they were like, "All right, we're good." Okay, that's my. You start to sound like all the Georgia fans now that saying, "Hey, we didn't need." I'm not saying that we got up ten nothing. We said, "I'm not saying that." I'm just saying that that was they looked more (laughs) like the Georgia from the rest of the season uh, in the in the semifinal beatdown, and I think that. Everyone has one bad game. This is a hard sport to play. It is that that many times in a row. So I think Georgia will get pressure, and I think Bryce Young 
he would not have a Heisman Trophy if Auburn had simply stayed in bounds. And I think That's that true. Bryce Young is overrated. So, oh, that will be hmm. tonight on Bold Monday prediction. night. Wow. Thanks. And then tomorrow you can come in and All get right. some cheesy. I'm going to let Burn just cry <laughs> over here, and we're going to wrap up the show. Last week, <laughs> I wrote a story that said C.J. Stroud is the best returning quarterback in college football, and I believe that. But I very intentionally said, this is not a shot at Bryce Young. Or, like Bryce Young's really freaking good. I thought so. Until today. Bama fans. How good was he for 59 minutes Bama against fans. Auburn? It's Does anybody know? Slash Sports. Does anybody know how good he was for 59 minutes against A-Ward Auburn? I know he was Sports. good in how, that last how, minute. How good was he against Cincinnati for the most part? He did exactly what he had to do mm-hmm. against Cincinnati. Whatever. My, <laughs> my feelings are on the record. Listen, he... That he didn't. Old. He also didn't run it against Cincinnati. That's spicier than my. He, I bet. I bet he has sixty-five yards on the ground tonight. I bet he has hundred. Gosh, that, if mm. he does, I have anxiety thinking about that for those linebackers. Nakobe no. Dean, great player, oh, chasing does. Bryce Young. Have I don't fun. care though. When you drop back in coverage, fifteen yards, and then yeah. you see the quarterback pull it down, and it's like third With and seven. Nobody in front of him, oh. and it's you versus him. <laughs> yeah, forget about oh, it. Oh, it's so terrible. A heavy part of their playbook tonight. We'll hash. We'll hash that out next Monday yeah. on Letterman Live. It's brought to you by Roosters. Uh, enjoy the national championship game. We'll be back uh, for more coverage of everything happening in the Ohio State offseason uh, all week at LettermanRow.com and obviously next Monday when we get back in here at the Letterman Lounge. That's Jay-Z, Bobby Carpenter, Berm. I'm Austin. Thanks to Nicole Cox for having us. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week at Roosters. It's a fun casual joint. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.